This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Recently, Dave and I returned from a five-day fly fishing trip to Montana. We fished the last week of July on the Upper Madison River, the Yellowstone River in Yellowstone National Park, Fan Creek in Yellowstone National Park, the Boulder River up in the mountains south of Big Timber, and 16 Mile Creek, an amazing fishery in the very northern part of the Gallatin Valley north of Bozeman. It was a great trip, wasn't it, Dave? It was an unbelievable trip. You'll notice that we didn't say we fished the Gallatin because the Gallatin in July or the end of July is elbow to elbow. Yeah, really is. The weather was almost perfect yep. and uh, we had we caught a lot of fish. Yep. Ate a lot of good food and a lot of good food <laughs> and no grizzly encounters. Well, that's always a bonus, isn't it? Although when we were in that uh, parking lot when we were about to go up to Fan Creek, we talked to someone who said there'd been some grizzly sightings recently. Right. Yep, in that very area. Well, what we'd like to do today is to share some things we learned or relearned from our time on the water. I don't know that any of these are new, but every time you go out and fish, at least for us, you come back with some lessons learned or lessons relearned. Uh, Here are five lessons that uh, we learned. Dave, why don't you get us started? Well, the first one is very basic. Again, it's a reminder. As you uh, listen to us, you'll hear a lot of reminders. And as I fish more and more, uh, I just realize I got to go back to the basics. But in the basic, in the first lesson is this, is that fish look for the maximum amount of calories uh, with the least amount of effort. And this is basic biology, Um, but it's very, very important uh, to remember. We are fishing on 16 Mile Creek, and um, for the first hour, hour and a half, I was fishing some holes in the shade, so the the sun had not really hit that area of the creek, and there was a trico hatch going on, and we went there to fish hoppers. In fact, when we walked down to the creek, um, it, it was the number of hoppers was unbelievable. This is what, 9 a.m. in the morning? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we got down to the creek, I I wasn't catching anything on hoppers and I was so disappointed. And there was a trico hatch going out on. And at the time I, I was thinking, I just don't have the energy and the talent to try to fish a trico hatch right now. They're so small and they're so tiny. Um, But within a few hours, well, for me, I think it was about an hour, all of a sudden they started hitting the hoppers and uh, it was one of those days that will be burned into my mind forever. And you continue to see the tricos. That's a funny thing, but they they had no use for them because, wow, uh, same amount of effort gets you uh, a Big Mac instead of a, what a... A half a a half a Big Mac or a quarter of a Big Mac. Uh, I mean, I it, it was it, yeah a slider. That, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> a slider. That's yeah. awesome. Um, I, when I was seeing the trichos, and I had this intent to catch, uh, you know, big rainbows on hoppers. I was just depressed for the first hour, and I was actually I went I started to nymph because I thought I'm not going to fish that trico. There's no way I'm going to be able to present that carefully on that stream. Yeah, that's right. Okay, fish look for the maximum amount of calories with the least amount of effort. Uh, Here's a second lesson we learned, and that is you are only as good as the water you fish. Boy, is that not true. Uh, The day we fished Fan Creek, a beautiful little creek uh, on the very west 
western side of Yellowstone National Park. Uh, you drive up uh, 191 south of Bozeman, and uh, we hiked in about a mile and a half, and uh, wow, not much that day. I, I caught one little one. In fact, it was barely big enough to qualify as one, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's a statistic. Uh, you actually caught two really nice uh, uh, trout. Uh, boy, we, we found one run where they were rising, and uh, you didn't share it. You caught them both. But I remember the end of that day thinking, man, what, what have I done wrong? And I'm kind of a lousy fisherman. Well, it was a blue-wing olive hatch, and um, and it, it's like the hatch hovered only over that hole. Yeah. Now, we did see some later, but over that hole, it was thick. And I got two West Slope cutthroats yep. and they were just it was gorgeous they were well so the next day then we fished 16 mile which you just talked about and i landed over 40 fish oh my now goodness. the lesson is i didn't become a better fisherman overnight and what was my problem on fan creek well the problem was fan creek that day it just i don't know there might have been we suspect there was another fisherman that was through that water before we were and they just weren't rising except for that one little stretch so it's kind of like the old john denver song some days are diamonds, some days are stone. And you just have to accept that. Did you nymph at all that day or was it only dries? I can't remember if we Which, switched on, to nymphs. On, on Fan Creek? Yeah, on Fan Creek. No, I, it's, it was so small, I just kept trying different dry flies. I was stubborn. Uh, I, I might have had more success, but uh, no, I was stubborn that day. It's like, I, small stream, if I can't catch them on a dry, I'm not going to catch them at all. And I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember that guy that um, passed us up. It was like he was running a 400-yard dash. So here we Man. are on this trail in Yellowstone National Park, and this fly fisher uh, walked past us. Um, ran past Ran us. past Man, us. It he was, was crazy. intense. Yeah, it was funny. That was crazy. Someday we should do a podcast on the on the types of fly fishers that we meet. I think it's a good idea. I would call him uh, grumpy. Yeah, no kidding. All right, what else did we learn? Well, another um, lesson that I learned, again, learned it again, is avoiding drag. You know, I I do think sometimes um, fly fishers overthink the entomology piece uh, to fly fishing. And, and if they focus more on, you know, presenting a dead drift. We were fishing the Madison, I think it was on Thursday of that week. And I had an eight and a half foot rod and I used, I switched to a nine foot six. And I was amazed at how it allowed me to control the line better. When you're fishing the Madison River, you have all these different currents. So if you're fishing uh, fishing 40, you know, 40 feet out or 30 to 40 feet out, you have all these different currents between um, where you're trying to put that fly and trying to mend the line is just miserable. But I came away thinking after all these years, I still can't manage drag. And it's a very, very difficult thing to do. To me, it is the art uh, and the skill of fly fishing. That's a great point. You may be tempted to switch flies, but if if your fly is kind of going through the water like a water skier and you got to wait beside it because it's being drugged, uh, yeah, it's just it's just not going to look natural and the fish aren't going to take it all right here's another one uh if at first you don't succeed try something different uh on the yellowstone when we were nymphing i 
the first day, remember we were in uh, the park, we were oh, below yeah. Tower yeah, Fall, yeah. And, and it was kind of an overcast day, it was uh, raining a little bit, and there was nothing going on on the surface, so we were nymphing, and I couldn't believe that we weren't catching fish, and I, I, I tried some different flies, and then it occurred to me, uh, again, when, when you're, you're struggling, uh, one of the things you want to do is, is, again, try a different size, and then if that's not working, then maybe try a different pattern. But another thing when you're nymphing is maybe you're not deep enough. And it occurred to me, I'm not, I'm not getting hung up on the bottom. And, and that's both good news and bad news. The good news is uh, you're not getting hung up on the bottom because you're not fishing deep. The bad news is you're not fishing deep enough to catch fish. And so uh, I remember I, I had a couple little BB size split shot on. I put two more on and all of a sudden I started catching more fish. And now, now you gave amazing. me that advice and I wasn't thinking about that that afternoon and when you said that I, literally immediately within the next probably 10 casts I had another I had another yeah. fish on and it, and it's because the stone right there that run is it's so swift and to get down to fish the run you have to get down right really away do. the other thing i think related to that is and when you say to, to try something different is to um is to lengthen your your uh your tip and lengthen that dropper yeah that's a good point that that can make the difference too you know the last day we fished on the upper madison remember we we just weren't getting anything we were waiting the uh the valley garden section just uh right near ennis from ennis to the lake and uh we're fishing with a friend and uh, uh, man he is good and he, he's just having us put all kinds of different things on finally finally put on the old garden variety San Juan worm pattern and all of a sudden I started catching these really nice rainbows yeah that that last rainbow you caught my goodness that was it was at least 18 I know we didn't stop to measure it but that thing was fat and thick and uh, it was just gorgeous yeah it was a result of uh, just fishing something different okay Okay, so we've talked about the fact that fish look for the maximum amount of calories with the least amount of effort. Uh, secondly, you're only as good as the water you fish, so be patient with yourself. Uh, three, avoid drag. And number four, if at first you don't succeed, try something different. Uh, Dave has a final one for us, and uh, man, this is a really gripping story. We, we actually witnessed a death uh, while we were fishing <laughs> one of those days, and it wasn't the fish. We didn't kill any fish on this trip. Well, the fit. <laughs> The fifth and final point is nature is not always a tranquil place. It was we I was fishing 16 mile and it was this moment I was about an hour in I just walked down to this new little run uh, on the on the stream and I was changing my fly I actually was moving to nymphs because I wasn't catching anything on a hopper. And just as I walked down to the stream, a duck burst forth out of this bush and she quacked. It had to be a her uh, because um, of what happened later. But she used quack. And I mean, it scared me. I had my heart in my throat. And then so I went back to put him tying my fly on and I heard some rustling behind me. And I looked back and here was a mink that had one of her baby ducks by the neck. Wow. And the duck was still flapping, was in its death throes, Mm. and 
the mink saw me and would not let go of that duck. So literally, um, with half of my fly rod, I could have touched it. It was literally probably four and a half feet away, wow. five feet away. And You witnessed um, the killing, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it did. The duck died as I was watching it. Wow. And and I, I, I whipped out, I dropped my fly rod and got my iPhone out and tried to get a picture of this, of the mink, but he was backing up into the bushes and, um, and I didn't think to put my video on or else I would have tried to uh, capture the video. But how dark the mink is with the with the background, I couldn't get a great picture of it. But it was really one of those moments in nature where you go, okay, yeah, this is how the real world That's works right. uh, yeah. in nature. Nature is not a tranquil, happy place. It's really survival of the fittest. And uh, this mink, it was, it was one of those moments where uh, I'll never forget. Wow. Yeah, we have this picture that uh, uh, fly fishing is is so idyllic and and it's it's restful and peaceful, which which it can be. But uh, wow, anytime you're outdoors, you do you get to see the harsh reality of, of life, don't you? And kind of that that life cycle and even the the death part of it. Well, you know, I the your day earlier was it was it the day earlier that when we were fishing Fan Creek, we had that beaver that basically floated right by us. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and that had kind of a tranquil, you know, you know, we're in harmony with nature. And then the next day, seeing seeing this killing, it was uh, the death of this little duck. And yeah. it was it was it's one part disturbing and one part very um, moving and, yeah. and yeah. being a part it of is. it. And thankfully, the memory was somewhat erased by all those trout we caught on hoppers <laughs> later that day. Wasn't well, it? I loved yeah. your statement at the end of the day. You said we've got to stop. I am wrecked. Oh man. You remember we were so yes. exhausted. It was like, yep. okay, we, we just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It. In fact, the last day um, of our trip, we didn't even fly fish because we were so tired. <laughs> That's right. Probably another lesson there too. Uh, you, you can easily overdo it. <laughs> well, that'll do it for today. If you've learned any lessons from a recent fishing trip, we'd love to hear from you. Go to twoguysinariver.com. That's two with the numeral twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What lessons have you learned from your most recent day or days on the river? Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, uh, if you have an iPhone, or Stitcher, uh, if you have a Droid. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.